Hello, everyone. This is Jeff Risen from the Detroit Lions podcast. And Lions Wire coming at you with a mailbag. Lions fans, it's time for the podcast you've been waiting for. The show where Kool-Aid runs blue, faces turn red, and rose-colored glasses never go out of style. This is the Detroit Lions podcast. All right. Uh, I'm recording this on Easter, so happy Easter, happy Passover, uh, whatever you celebrate. Hope you're enjoying it very well. Uh, let's let's get this, man. We got we got a draft coming up in, in a little under three weeks, and I uh, put out a, a call in the Patreon Slack for the podcast channel, and I got a ton of questions, more than I can answer on here. Uh, and I, I thank you all for the uh, for the questions. Uh, it is indeed the best five dollars per month you can spend to get the most intelligent Lions chat on the internet or anywhere for that matter. Uh, and we do a pretty good job of reining it in and keeping it on topic, though there are some other fun things, diversions that you can go to, um, like the barbecue channel, the memorabilia channel, um, even the off-topic channel uh, has some fun stuff in it. So, but uh, let's get to some of these questions. Uh, first up, uh, from Trade Bakistan. Um, very good screen name, by the way. Lions more likely to trade up or trade down in round one? It's a good question. My inkling is that they're looking more to move down than up, but that's with number six. With number 18, I think they're more likely to move up than down, um, and that puts you somewhere in the 10 to let's say 9 to 14 range and uh, what they'll get in that range is probably a more desirable landing spot for a player like Devon Witherspoon out of Illinois or a um, that second tier pass rusher if Tyree Wilson is somehow there I don't think he will be but uh, he would fit in that range Um, possibly a guy like Nolan Smith um, or maybe even Deontay Banks if they're not sold that he's going to last to 18 or the other one that, that comes into mind is Darnell Wright if you want to move up for him from 18, I think you're going to have to get in front of the Steelers to get him. Uh, you might have to get in front of the, the Commanders to get him. Uh, so I, I, I think so. I'll, I'll, I'll answer the question thusly: back from six, up from 18. All right. Next, um, from Michael: If Brad does his patented double dip at a position in the draft, what position do you think it will be this year? That's a good one. Um, Defensive tackle makes some sense, especially if they go one early, but I'm not sure that they're going to go early at defense, like that early at defensive tackle. I think they're going second, third round. You can find a nose tackle late um, that that would do it. That would make sense. Cornerback is the other one uh, with uh, with a potential strong potential, I believe, for a first round cornerback. And then you take a more developmental guy that's in the sixth or seventh round. And and uh, I'm going to preclude this by saying right now, I know I'm aware the Lions do not have a fourth round or a seventh round pick currently. I don't expect that to to stay the status quo. I think they're going to make some moves, um, whether they want to move back from a spot or move up or trade a seventh next year for a seventh this year. Those types of things happen all the time. So don't get hung up on the fact that they don't have a pick right now in the fourth or seventh round, because we're going to be calling guys fourth or seventh rounders and they could very well be lions. And that doesn't mean that they're not going to be here because they don't have those picks now. Um, Oh, this, I like this one. This is from Greg. 
Hi, Greg. Um, what is your gut reaction on what they end up doing with Jeff Okuda, assuming they decline his fifth-year option? Well, add in parentheses, I expect them to decline their fifth-year option on him. Or wait until after the draft to decide it. Um, and he gives some options here. So Greg says, uh, A, package him as part of a draft trade. B, hold on to him until closer to the deadline. Or C, let him play out the year. Gut, gut instinct here is that he probably gets traded. Uh, I, I think he's going to wind up having more value somewhere else. They brought in Cam Sutton is the only real long-term solution that they brought in at cornerback, at least signed long-term now. Still have Jerry Jacobs on the outside. Jerry has pretty much passed Jeff Okuda on the depth chart. I know most national draft analysts don't know that, but that's Lions fans know that. They, they, they established that status quo pretty well. See, one of the things that, that comes into play here is that Jeff Okuda is an outside-only corner, and I think that limits where he's at because Emmanuel Mosley is also that, and I think Emmanuel Mosley being signed if he's healthy is better than what Jeff Okuda is. And I don't mean that as a slight on Okuda as much as I mean that trumping up Mosley. So I think if somebody wants... Okuda in a trade as a, like a pot sweetener, like and I'm, I'm just making up a hypothetical. Let's say you want to trade 55 to get up to 38, and you include Jeff Okuda and a third round pick next year instead of Jeff Okuda, or I'm sorry, instead of 55 and a second round pick next year. I think that's the sort of trade that he would be involved with. Um, hopefully that makes sense. Hopefully that came out clear. Um, Trade deadline is tough because if he's not playing in Detroit, I'm not sure that any other team is really going to have a lot of interest in him, um, especially on an expiring contract, and let him play out the year. The only hope that you would do that is that he somehow shows you enough that he's healthy, can stay healthy, and can stay productive long enough. Remember, he was really, really good at the beginning of last year, and then he tailed off. Some of that was injury-related. Some of that was just um, teams figured out how to attack him a little bit better once he was doing well. Uh, and I'm not sure that he can recover from that. So uh, I, I think he's a good player. I think he's worthy of keeping if they want to keep him and giving him a chance to play for his next contract. I like that as an incentive, but I'm not sure that that value is going to be there um, as much as it could be in getting somebody else into that position for a long term, especially if they're drafting, you know, if they're drafting a, a first round cornerback, the, the writing's on the wall for Okuda right there. And he might want to be out at that point too. Uh, and ask to be traded so don't know that that will happen but that's that's certainly plausible um let me go pick up one here um to anthony b who is one non-quarterback you'd be ecstatic if the lions walked away with from the draft and who is one guy you'd be pissed if they took assuming they are picked at the general consensus market value that's a very good parenthetical uh addition there anthony i appreciate that because uh, uh where guys get picked does matter in terms of how i will react to them as an example if they come away with Bajan Robinson at 18, I'm going to be ecstatic. If they come away with him at six, I'm going to be pissed. <laughs> like to answer your question, both with one guy. Um, uh, in general, though, I just don't. I don't see it with Will Levis. Oh, he's a quarterback, so scratch that. Yeah. Um, uh, Miles Murphy would be one that I wouldn't be happy with. Um, I wouldn't. I wouldn't necessarily be pissed, but I don't see it with him. He's a guy that, to me, is the exact same player now that he was when he walked on campus at Clemson, and has never really gotten better at anything. And the the length of time that he's been there, and the athleticism that he's been blessed with, 
I'm not sure that that book has many more pages to write in it. So uh, I, I, I think he's, he's solid, but I don't want him at six or 18. I don't value him nearly that highly. Um, as for a guy that I would be ecstatic with, there's a lot. <laughs> there's a lot of players that I really like in this draft. Witherspoon is one. Um, the Dion Henley um, going a little bit later as as a uh, as a day two linebacker I think would, would make me very happy. I don't necessarily expect them to do that or to agree with that, but he's a player that I think would be a perfect fit for. Um, somebody on Twitter actually came up with you know he's he's like DeAndre Levy and I I can't unsee that uh, I like that a lot and I think that the Lions need a linebacker like that somebody who's better in coverage, better in spatial awareness than what Derek Barnes or Malcolm Rodriguez are in that number two linebacker role next to Alex Anzalone. And I will say right now, I know people don't like Alex Anzalone as a number one linebacker. Tough toenails. The Lions do. You're going to have to get used to that. Um, so that, that would be my answers. Um, yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, let's go down here. Uh, from Mr. Leva Leva. Likelihood of three to four quarterbacks being taken in the top five. Good question. I fluctuate on this one some. Uh, I, I'm I'm very sold that there will be three. I, I think C.J. Stroud, Bryce Young, and Anthony Richardson will all be gone before pick six. Will Levis is the struggle, uh, and I'm not sold that he's not going to go there, but I'm also not sold that he's going to go in the top 15. Uh, opinions that I've heard from, from conversations are that the, the evaluations are all over the place on him. I personally believe that he will be a Seattle Seahawk and that he will be the number five pick in the draft, but that's just my guess. I don't know that. Uh, but he fits a lot of what Pete Carroll really wants in a quarterback, and uh, it's going to be... They're in a situation much like the Lions where they have a a quarterback who played really, really well in 2022 after not playing well before that. And they seem more apt to want to proactively address the long-term potential quarterback um, over Geno Smith, over what the Lions are interested in with Jared Goff. And by the way, that that's probably smart because I, I do think that G, uh, Gino's track record is not anywhere close to as good as Goff's. Uh, so I, I get that. Um, people try to make that comparison. And then like Goff has been a really good starter at times in his Rams career. Um, and he was certainly the last, you know, eight to 10 games of, of last year. Uh, much more that he's shown much more sustainable, good play than what Gino has over the course of his longer career. So uh, that that's, that, that probably preempts a couple other questions on that. All right. Um, oh, I like this question. All right. From Full Metal Savage. First team to do a WTF. They took that guy in the first round. <laughs> he says hard mode can't pick the Patriots. The Raiders are always really good at doing this. This is a team that took Cleveland Farrell at number four overall once upon a time. Um, and they could they could pull the surprise again. They, they picked number seven. There's some dudes that they could take that I don't know if I don't know if I'd be necessarily shocked that they do it, but I think some of their fans would be. Uh, a guy like Darnell Wright could go that high. That's probably a lot higher than what Raiders fans would like him to be taken there. Deontay Banks maybe, but Deontay's a he's a legit first rounder. Um, in terms of like illegitimate first round picks, in my mind. Tennessee, if they trade back, but I don't think they're going to do that. I mean, you're looking Pittsburgh, maybe. Um, I don't know. That, that, 
I, I kind of think that the way that this draft is stacked where it's not like super loaded at the top um, and there's a pretty heavy like tier of guys that are going to be like number 10 on one team's board and number 30 on another team's board. I think that, that and I think there's a lot of that in this draft, by the way. I think that's going to make it where you're not going to have the like, who the bleep is that guy until maybe 20, 22, somewhere in there. Um, but yeah, that's that's just a guess. That's a good question. I, I probably need to think more about that one. Um, <laughs> good question, though. I like it. All right. From Jordan. Nolan Smith has almost the exact same combine measurables as Lawrence Taylor height, weight, and speed. Um, I get the injuries and lack of production, but why isn't he being talked about as more of a potential diamond in the rough pass rusher at number six? And I will answer this because I just wrote the Nolan Smith scouting report this morning and had, had done a little bit of polish on the film review. Here's the thing with him. He's a great athlete. I'm not sold that he's a great pass rusher. This is a guy who had 12 sacks in 38 games at Georgia, uh, playing the role that, that a guy like Aziz Ojolari got, I think, 16 in one year. He's just not that guy. He's a he's a, it, he's a weird player, and I, I, I wrote this at Lionsware if you want to check it out. He's a very strange amalgamation of skills in that he's a power-oriented run defender playing edge. And I don't know how that works. He's a guy that I struggle with, quite frankly. I think he's very talented. I think he's a good he's a good leader. He's a good uh, locker room presence. I think he would fit the Lions culture. But 12 sacks playing with almost exclusively single blocking with his athletic tools, that, that's kind of a flag to me. Uh, so I, I wouldn't consider him at six. I'm not sure that I consider him at 18. He is much more of an outside linebacker to me. And the game has changed quite a bit. And this is the code to Jordan's question. Um, in Lawrence Taylor's day, you could be that size. Uh, you could be a very effective pass rusher at 240 pounds because the offensive tackles weren't as big or as athletic as they are today. And the offenses weren't as sophisticated as they are today. Uh, so I, I do think that the the ability for an undersized rusher like that with who's and again, he's a speed rusher, but doesn't really use his speed. He relies more on power and at 235 pounds with short arms. It's a tough way to make a living in the NFL. So he's a guy that I have flagged as somebody who could wind up being very good in the NFL, but also a guy that could wash out very quickly and not even get a second contract. Uh, and that, that I hate to be like ambiguous and, or waffle on a guy, but I, I legit don't know what, what's going to happen with him. Um, I tend to not think that he's suited for Detroit. I think he is a straight 3-4 stand-up outside linebacker and... Uh, the Lions could use him in the role that they use Julian O'Quara and are adapting James Houston to doing. But I will tell you right now that James Houston is already a better pass rusher, pass rusher only, than what Nolan Smith is. And I think if they're looking for that role, I think they already have that in James Houston. So I don't think he'd be a little bit superfluous in, in Detroit right now. That's just my thought, though. Um, let's see here. Let's get down here. Um, I like this one from Scott. How prevalent is the use of sports psychologists in the NFL today? Listen to um, um, oh, I forget <laughs> a different podcast. Uh, used an acronym, and I can't think of what the acronym is, and I don't want to butcher it. Um, talk about Okuda and his struggles. Does using them seem to help? Yes, most teams do have them. The Lions uh, rely more on them than most do. They have a, their special sports psychology department, and I can see the woman who runs it, and I can't think of her name, and that bothers me. But uh, they do... 
they do a lot of this. And the NFL as a whole does a lot of this. Um, some teams more than others. The Lions would be more in the upper echelon of this. And it's, um, I would like to say that I can speak eloquently about it, but it, it's an area that, quite frankly, is a little bit over my head. So uh, I will just say that the Lions do use it, and uh, they are trying to make it work with a lot of different players, not just Jeff Okuda. Uh, let's see here. <laughs> Oh, boy. This one requires a, a stiff drink of, of ice water. All right. This is from Big Bad Fab, um, whose desk I'm sitting at, by the way. Thanks, Fab. Um, Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase do not suck. It's pretty undeniable that their college time together helped them professionally. Is the same true at other positions? Thinking specifically of Devon Witherspoon joining Kirby Joseph. Um, does that familiarity ha- shorten the learning curve? I like the idea of bringing in college teammates. I do. Uh, secondary, especially because there's so much communication that goes on. And a lot of the, the things that plagued the Lions secondary last year were miscommunication, communication issues, assignment responsibility issues, the, the dreaded MAs, missed assignments. I do think that their chemistry and their ability to play together would, would help shorten that that specific part of the learning curve. Witherspoon, though, his game is pretty much NFL ready. Uh, he's he's a guy that he doesn't really need the safety help over the top. He's fast enough at 4.49 or whatever he unofficially clocked at uh, because he gets into pads. He doesn't allow clean releases. Um, he uses his size pretty well. Um, people, one, one thing with Witherspoon, I think people think that he's this tiny guy. He is the literally the exact same size as Darrell Revis and plays a similar style. I think Darrell Revis was pretty good. I'm not saying that Devon Witherspoon is Darrell Revis, but if you think that that's too small to play the, that physical style of outside, um, there's some pretty prominent examples of Hall of Famers who have done it very well recently. Um, Darrell Revis being the most prominent. So uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't read too much into the, the lack of size. He's 5'11 and a half. His arms are fine. His hands are fine. Uh, I'm not worried about that. But that, that's a good question. Uh, and it leads me to thinking of, like, you know, you bring in, um, uh, I'll use another example, Mozzie Smith. Uh, at defensive tackle, joining Aiden Hutchinson at defensive end. I am not Mozzie's biggest fan, but I think that that's a good idea if the Lions were to do it, to, to play him on the same side of the line and let them you know develop those sorts of things. And I do think that you know the, the terminology bearer, barrier that comes in, like you're learning a different language from what was spoken at Michigan to what's spoken in Detroit for the Lions. I think those sorts of things can definitely be aided and assisted by by that sort of chemistry. So yeah, it's it's a good question, um, and I'll, I'll give the the brief answer on that with with what I said. All right, um, a lot of Witherspoon questions here from Ben. Did Witherspoon's pro day do anything to move him into the prospect grouping and play at number six, uh, or do you still think he's more likely an option for the Lions at eighteen? I will say this: I think he's always been in play at six. I personally would be more comfortable taking him at 18 than 6, but if they take him at 6, I'm good with that. He is an absolute Aaron Glenn dream cornerback. Uh, and if it doesn't work, it's not because the Lions didn't do their research or did a poor pick or a reach here. He is that valuable. He is that good. He's, he is that good of a fit. But I think he's always been a consideration at six. It's my personal evaluation that says I have a few concerns um, that would make me more uncomfortable at six and 18. But I think that's true for pretty much every player. Uh, and I do think that now if you do want to get Devon Witherspoon, 
and you're going to have to take him at six or whatever you trade back from six, as I mentioned earlier, to nine, to 12, something like that. I think that's, if they're trading back, I think they're going to be okay with the the prospect of missing out on him. But I think uh, if they really want him, they'll stay at six and take him. And I do think that he would be no no lower than second on their list of options at number six. yeah, that's it. Um, from Maddie K, I like this one because this, this um, cheers. If you could have a beer and conversation with anyone in the Lions organization, who would it be with and why? And my easy answer is Chris Spielman because he is my football hero. I grew up in Northeast Ohio when he was at Ohio State. He was a legend in in the the Northeast Ohio high school lore, um, playing for where he did it in, in the Maslin Canton rivalry, which is a very massive deal out there. Uh, I grew up you know, idolizing Chris Spielman. He's my football hero. I have an Ohio State jersey of him. His number 36. I have a Lions jersey of him in number 54. He would be the guy that I would just love to sit down with. And aside from that, he's a pretty interesting guy outside of football, too. You know, he's had the you know, the, the Stephanie Spielman Foundation um, dealing with his late wife's breast cancer and the fight through that. Uh, and and I, I, I would just love to pick his brain on that. So that that's a good one. And uh, Chris, if you're up for it, I'll buy. <laughs> uh, from Chad Hale. This is a good question. Previously, you indicated that edge would be a lower priority for us as it's one of the strengths on the team. After stocking up on corners and free agency and the way this draft order seems to be trending, do you see the Lions targeting Tyree Wilson or another edge at six? Uh, yes, and this is something, and I probably should have done this a little bit more um, prominently. I walked that back. Um, the 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 thing about an edge not necessarily being um, the biggest need. It's still not the biggest need, but it doesn't. I think the Lions are in a situation where they're not going to worry that it's not a big need if the right player is there, and that right player could be Will Anderson. Uh, and I do think there is a chance he falls to number six that you don't have to trade up for him. Um, some of that deals with the fact that Tyree Wilson, um, who was asked about specifically here. I do think that there's a very legitimate chance that he winds up being drafted before Anderson for a couple of reasons. First is the the experience that we just saw last year, Trayvon Walker going number one over Aiden Hutchinson and over Kayvon Thibodeau, who are much more accomplished college rushers and football players. But the Jaguars drafted the athletic potential, specifically the height, length, and speed of Trayvon Walker. Tyree Wilson has those attributes. He's actually better than Trayvon Walker in some of those things. And I do think that that's going to be very intriguing for certain teams. Not for all teams, but for certain teams. Will Anderson is coming off a year where he didn't necessarily play as well as hoped, wasn't as dynamic as expected to be, and I wonder if teams are going to hold that against him, uh, and that would make him to be available at six. Yes, I do think the Lions will consider an edge at six. I don't think they're locked in on it, but they're certainly not going to be ruling it out. Uh, That's uh, a longer question there. All right. Um, Anand sent a series of questions. And, dude, I I love your questions. I'm only going to answer one or two of these, though, because you got got a nice flurry here. Um, I might actually do a a mailbag for Lions Wire where I write some of these out, and I will uh, answer more of these, Anand, uh, because I do appreciate you very much. Um, Do you see anyone being extended before the season starts to get ahead of the market? And the the two logical candidates here are Jared Goff and Jonah Jackson. And I will answer this by saying, 
the restructuring Jack Fox's contract to free up more cap room is a completely unnecessary move unless they have something in mind. It's like the whole Brian Windhorst thing. Why did they do that? What are they thinking here? Um, I don't know. But that, that would certainly make sense um, as to getting that extra cap money. And if they're extending Goff, one of the things that that allows them to do is they can they can swallow a bigger chunk of that new extension this year and, and allot that cap room so they'll have more in the future by making the little moves like that, like the, what they did with Romeo Okora and Charles Harris. Um, and by the way, I, I skimmed over this question, but uh, it was part of another question. I don't think that both of those guys are on the team in the fall. I think one of them will be. Your guess is as good as mine as to which one it'll be, though. Uh, I think health will play uh, a factor in that because now they're both affordable and both affordably cut. So, uh, yeah, that's... Uh, yeah. To get back to Anand's question, though, like... Uh, Goff being extended is is sort of an elephant in the room that hasn't really been talked about on or, to my knowledge, off the record much um, in, in the conversations that I've had with other people that cover the team or are close to the team. It's just one of those things where, like, you, you bring it up and the, and the conversation sort of stops or the, the you know, the, the tone changes or something like that. It, it's weird. And I, I, I don't know what that means. I, I'll be straight up. I don't, I don't know if they're going to extend them or not, but I, I tend to think that that's going to be next year. But again, the, the moves that they made to free up all that cap room, they have something in mind. It's either extending a guy like Jonah or Jared Goff now, or they're going to roll it over to next year um, and and absorb more of that time then, um, which means that they wouldn't be spending it now. But the, the doing it when they did, that doesn't make a lot of sense to me. So the, there's, there's something going on there. Uh, Jonah Jackson... Whether to extend him or not, and this is actually the subject of another question that's on here, too. Um, that's tough uh, because this is a really good guard draft. Uh, you don't want to overpay your entire offensive line. You've seen the cap problems that that has caused in both Dallas and Indianapolis uh, and to a lesser extent Cleveland. And I don't think that the Lions want to be trapped in that sort of uh, um, like we have this incredible offensive line, but we can't afford good skill position players because of it, or we can't afford a good off-ball linebacker because of it. And I think that the Lions are going to be very wary of that. So I tend to think that they, if they're going to extend Jonah, it would be done. If they don't do it, I think before training camp starts, I think he's going to be a guy that they are willing to let walk away and possibly recoup a comp pick um, or or something like that in 2024 um, when he signs for a big money somewhere else. Um, and it's tough because he's a really good player uh, and he's earned everything that he's gotten um, and has earned the acclaim. He is a legit viable Pro Bowl player. He's a very good fit for the gap style scheme that that we run um, that under Hank Fraley. And I think Hank certainly likes him and, and, like, and has developed him nicely. But uh, that, those are the tough decisions that you have to make uh, as you're a, an improving team and you've gotten more and more good players that you need to pay. You can't pay them all. Is offensive guard that big of a priority over extending Amon Ross St. Brown or extending, you know, giving Jerry Jacobs money if he earns it at, at cornerback or Emmanuel Mosley or CJ Gardner Johnson, who's on a one year deal? Like, if you want to keep some of those guys that are at more critical positions, you probably can't afford to pay your guard that much. Um, and I know Big V 
you know, is, is he, he will be gone, I would assume, unless he plays his brains out this year. And he, and he could do that, by the way. But uh, I, I think the Lions' plan here is that they're going to draft and groom the replacement for one, if not both, of those guards in this draft. Uh, let's wrap this up because we're running up on, on time here and I got to I gotta get outside. It's a nice day outside. Beautiful day outside, by the way. I hope you're listening to this as you're walking around if, you, if you're catching this on Sunday or Monday. Looks like it's going to be a great week here in Michigan. So uh, don't, don't forget to take time and, and get outside and, and enjoy life a little bit. Um, <laughs> I like that one. Um, last one from Anand. I'll do this one too. What are you going to wear on the pre-Super Bowl podcast after the Lions make a deep playoff run? I like this shirt, the sweatshirt a lot. I got this for Christmas circa 2014. It's still great. It still fits. Um, I haven't outfatted that one yet, so I, I kind of like that. Um, I like the Seatbelt Gang shirts um, that are available um, that we do in conjunction here with the podcast with Jerry Jacobs. Um, go to SeatbeltGang.com and check those out. But I don't know, man. I... I don't want to jinx that. Um, I am one of those weirdos. Like, like so when when they got their first win in 2021, um, I was wearing one specific outfit, and I actually wasn't at home. I was at a, my daughter's basketball tournament, and I was watching it in public. And the next Sunday, I wore the exact same outfit, and I went to the exact same place, um, even though my daughter wasn't playing basketball just to watch. Um, it didn't work, but I am that kind of superstitious weird. Um, so I, if they had... If they had won like the week before on a close game, um, with with some you know fun ending, probably wearing what I just wore. Uh, no, that's a little lame, but uh, or weird, but that's that's life in my head. Um, again, uh, there's a lot of questions. I am gonna I'm gonna write some more of these out because there are some good questions here that I I skipped over. Uh, and we're coming up on half an hour here, and that, that's probably longer than you wanted to talk uh, me to talk on a monologue. So. Uh, Thank you for listening. Thank you for the questions. Again, if you want to get in on asking these sorts of questions, uh, I do these exclusively through our Detroit Lions podcast Slack channel. It's a Patreon. It's $5 a month. It is absolutely worth it. Uh, check it out. Continue to check out all the draft stuff that we're pumping out at both LionsWire and DraftWire, where I am now um, one of the two managing editors, along with Kurt Popejoy. We've got some really fun things going on. Kurt is doing a fantastic job of spraying out seven-round mock drafts for every team. God bless him for taking on that responsibility because that is a that is a chore, and he's doing a great job with it. Uh, check out the Lions one that he just did. But we've also got all kinds of draft profiles um, and uh, more feature commentary on certain guys, too, that uh, you want to check out. So uh, thanks again, and uh, go Lions. Let's bring it in here together. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Lions on three. One, two, three. Yes. <laughs> You've had enough of that shit.